I don't know about you, but I'm thinking another flood isn't such a bad idea. All in favor of just a total earth cleansing, say aye. The Kate Daly Show starts now. It is the Texas State Patrol telling anyone who will listen that they are intercepting a massive number of Chinese men traveling in groups across the southern border. The Texas State Patrol has the documents to show it. They have the information. They have the captures. They also have lots of evidence about the gotaways. A massive number of Chinese men are traveling in groups across the southern border, sometimes with people from other nations, but mostly alone, coming into this country, trying to get here illegally. It should be a massive red flag with the revelation from ProPublica that the Mexican president is in the pocket of the Sinola drug cartel and the revelation from the Brookings Institute that that cartel is in the pocket of the communist Chinese state. There's a war at our southern border, the Chinese and the Mexicans collaborating together against the American interest. Mm. What do you think? Well, I think that's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so sad. Um, and it's, um, I mean, the word concerning doesn't do much. Um, nah. It's beyond that. We're being in, in, invaded. We're being invaded. And, and here's the deal. I have actually, I know a person going down boots on the ground and checking all that out and making, you know, seeing if that's really what's happening. And, and he'll come on the show and talk about that. Um I'm curious. I'm curious to see um, what the what the um, Texas uh, Texas uh, state uh, has to say about this. So we'll see. I think um, we have the wonderful Chris Ann Hall, Uncle Milty, because hey. it's Thursday, and this yeah. is when she comes on. Hi, Chris Ann Hall. How are you? Hey, my hey. apologies to you and Uncle Milty and the oh, audience. You're fine. You know, I I have. Uh, like everybody, I have a busy life, so oh, yeah. I'm yeah. in a meeting, a so little. here I am. Oh, you're good, you're good, you're excuses, good. Yeah, we excuses, excuses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uncle Melty, excuses. <laughs> no, we're great. Um, look, I got to talk to you about the Supreme Court today, because I just could not <laughs> believe some of the statements, the things that were said. It was... Um, it was amazing. Uh, you want, do you, just some of their arguments, do you want to talk about this? With the well, Supreme I think, Court, uh, I, I could give you like the sixty thousand foot view uh-huh. of what what my takeaways are. Okay, mm-hmm. um, regardless of who the justice was or how, mm-hmm. or, let me put it this way: regardless of how you would classify a justice, right? Right. Um, they all seemed very focused on a couple things. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one: what are the co- long term consequences? Mm-hmm. of us taking the state side what's long-term consequences mm-hmm. of us taking the Trump side, right? Right. And what are really, what I heard was a real concern amongst all the judges mm-hmm. about the states creating an election chaos by having this ability to arbitrarily mm-hmm 
disqualify someone, right, right? Right. There were a couple of justices that got it. I mean, Neil Gorsuch always gets it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. This is you're talking about Article Two establishes qualifications for a president. Sure, got to be 35 years old, got to be a natural born citizen, has to have lived in the United States 14 years prior mm-hmm. to running, mm-hmm. right? Right. Those are qualifications. The argument about keeping Trump off the ballot. Is an art is an a Fourteenth Amendment, Fourteenth uh, mm-hmm. Amendment Section Three argument of a disqualification, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So the disqualification is contingent upon whether you are have participated in engaged mm-hmm. in insurrection, right? Mm-hmm. That's the disqualification. Mm-hmm. The qualification of you got to be thirty five years old. You have to be a natural-born citizen, and you have to have lived in the United States 14 years. You Mm -hmm. have to understand, they all rely on proof. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. If you want to be president, you have to prove that you are 35 years old. And there are standards to that. Birth certificate, Mm -hmm. you know, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. Uh, Have you lived in the United States 14 years? Well, you have to prove that. Mm -hmm. Here's the residency that I have for 14 years. Mm -hmm. The little bit more esoteric, are you a natural-born citizen? Because of all the confusion, it wasn't a confusing subject for our founders, by the way. It was for Obama. It was for Obama. Go ahead. (laughs) Right, but not for our founders. Mm -hmm. And we've injected that confusion. Ah. So you see the confusion uh, comes when you don't have a real standard. Now, here's the thing. These states want to take the uh, 14th Amendment, Section 3, engage in insurrection, and have no proof. Right. Just face value. Just throw it up there. They just want to make an accusation. Good point. An accusation that would be arbitrary Mm -hmm. and have different standards of proof from state to state to state. And (laughs) no due process. Yeah, it's really a system of guilty until proven innocent because the state takes you off the ballot Mm -hmm. because you've engaged in insurrection. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to now prove you didn't. Right. Yeah, it's a good point. Which is not American due process. And my disappointment in the whole thing is this. Right. So Mm -hmm. I was I was very happy to see that the justices were getting the confusion that would come through because I in reality that matches what our founders looked at, too, mm-hmm. when creating a national standard for things. Right. Now, you guys know, and Uncle Milty knows, I'm a states' right gal. Yes. Right? Yes. But uh, you'll have, well, Colorado and this new thing with Hawaii is coming up uh, mm-hmm. as well. Hawaii Supreme Court. All the things, well, this is a states' right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's not. It's not a states' right thing. Because remember, the Tenth Amendment says the power's not delegated to the United States are reserved to the states. So we actually did delegate Mm -hmm. uh, to Congress under the 14th Amendment the authority to uh, enforce Mm -hmm. Section 3. So um, 14th Amendment Section 5 says Congress has the authority to enforce Section 3, and therefore it's not a state issue. It's a congressional issue. Yep. And Congress did create the law Mm -hmm. to enforce Section 3 because Congress created the law Mm -hmm. that makes insurrection a crime. Which means once you allege insurrection and once you claim 14th Amendment, Article 3, or Section 3, Mm -hmm. you now have 
accused someone of a crime, which means all the protections in the Bill of Rights, all due process protections are now invoked. Mm -hmm. And that person is innocent until proven guilty with a right to a trial, a speedy and public trial, with a right to be silent, the right to confront witnesses, the right to know the charges before the right. You know, all these rights that are embodied in the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th Amendment, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So this is the problem, and this is my disappointment with the Trump attorneys. And I don't say this very lightly because I understand that saying this makes me sound arrogant. Oh, you're smarter than the Trump attorney. Well, well, I have know. a feeling okay. you are, but go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. So they, they completely blew off the whole due process thing, such so much so that the justices kind of rebuked them. Why aren't really? you talking about this? I oh, well, that. it's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you guys, this is one of the most important aspects of this. Mm-hmm. Because if you lose Trump attorneys and the judges side with the states, there will be election chaos moving forward forever. Mm-hmm. Because you will now have established that a state secretary of elections, mm-hmm. right, one person can now remove someone from a ballot based on an empty right. allegation. Right. And. The terms of due process based on a secretary of elections taking somebody off the ballot is different in every state. And if you listened to the arguments, you mm-hmm. also learned there are some states where there is no due process. Mm. Once you're removed from the ballot, that's the yeah. other ballot. Mm. You're, you're done. You have no, you have no appeal. Right. You're done. Right. Now, mm. here's, here's the other thing, Kate, that... And that may be calculus level, mm-hmm, right? That mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't, I don't gather people will, will jump into this okay. too much. Uh-huh. But the reality is this. Why are state secretaries of election having any authority over what the political parties do in their primaries? Ooh. Why is you the see, state a primary is mm-hmm. where a private corporation, the mm-hmm. Republican Party, or mm-hmm. the private corporation, the Democrats, or the private corporation, the Libertarians, mm-hmm. choose who will represent them in the uh, general election. The right. general election is really the civic function. The primary is not. The primary is a, is a corporate function. So in reality, if we're going to tr- be true about this, which will never be broached, in this day and age, or at least at the level that we're in, because Mm -hmm. there's so much money made off of primaries and the illusion that they're public actually makes people want to pay for them with tax dollars. You know, it'd be like us paying for Coca-Cola to elect a new CEO. People be like, I'm not paying for that. Well, that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're you're paying for the Republican Party to choose who represents the Republican Party in the the general election. Mm Mm-hmm. So in reality, the only authority that a secretary of election would have is over the placement of people on the general ballot. Interesting. Milty? Do you think that if the the court said Mm -hmm. that the states had this authority, do you think their next move would then be to, to try to just remove candidates 
from the general election That's what ballot. Roberts was saying. He was saying that, you know, right states mm-hmm. would remove Democrats. You have about 45 seconds to answer that. Oh, well, I mean, that, and you're right. The, the justices uh-huh. saw that. It would be mm-hmm. chaos. It would be mm-hmm. absolute chaos. Even yep. Gorsuch mentioned that there's states that are, are threatening to retaliate. And the, the state's uh, answer was, well, we don't need to pay attention to that yet. Yeah. But I like your I like what you're saying, though, yeah. about the secretary of the states, you know, making this their issue and doing something when they don't really have a right to do that anyway. Well, and of all the crime yeah. that the Democrats do about disenfranchising mm-hmm. the voter, wouldn't this be like the ultimate disenfranchise? Yes, sure. yes it would. One person decides right. who gets to run for president. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris Ann Hall. LibertyFirstSociety.com. Mm-hmm. Go guys. help her out. God Thank you. bless you. Oh, that was great. Yeah, that was great. Yep. A lot of food for thought, and I always love it when she comes on the show because yep. um, it's always something to think about. She brought up some fantastic points, fantastic points that you're not going to hear on mainstream. That's I feel like I say sure. that every day, what you're not hearing on mainstream today. Be right back on the Kate Dallas Show. Yeah, do I have to eat this? Oh, honey, it's great protein. Don't be picky. Eat your crickets. Many are following the lead of the United Nations to replace your meat diet with an insect diet. It's an all-out war on meat, farmers and ranchers. Don't let new green policies place controls on your life and overall freedoms. It's time to get us out of the UN. Go to JBS.org or call 800-JBS-USA1. This is the Kate Daly Show. Welcome back, Kate Daly Show. How are you doing? Um, that was great. I was glad she yeah. was able to call in. I know she got stuck, so I'm so appreciative of her because she brought up points that aren't going to be brought up. One thing, we're going to talk about that. Um, one thing I do want to mention um, and by the way, today is the Peter, Dr. Peter McCullough interview you need to hear. Um, but when you look back in history, right, the U.S. dollar replaced the British pound sterling as the global reserve note in 1944. Okay. And the pound sterling uh, ruled supreme for some 200 years, then spiraled in value after the U.K. bankrupted itself, fighting both world wars. Okay. And we got this currency. And so... Do you think that could happen again? <laughs> That's my no, big that question. No, that was a once in a universal existence. Oh, thing. I just want to shake everybody. Please text Birch Gold 989898 and get some good sound advice on what to do. And it doesn't matter if you think you don't have any money, if you don't have anything going for you, do it anyway. Because I promise you, you're probably looking at your situation as bleak, but it might not be. And you want to make sure and secure at least what you have with gold and figure out how you should be, maybe what what portion of money you should spend, even with your small budget on gold and silver and on different things that you can do right now. Give them, please text them. Please text them, 989898, and then text my name, Kate. Okay? Yeah. Really urging people to do this. We're going to lose it again. We're going to, I mean, not again, but we're going to lose it. So. I I do it by Mm -hmm. figuring out how many $16 hamburgers it takes to buy an ounce of gold. (laughs) (laughs) It's all done with food, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So um, let's talk about, I, I love that she brought up these points. Do y'all find it kind of amazing that Trump's attorneys did not bring up 
the elephant in the room, the biggest piece of evidence, and that was, or the biggest piece in this case, is the lack of due process to just hurl an accusation at somebody and use that? Does anybody find that a, the, the, the smallest bit alarming that his lawyers would do that? I, I think... I'm being facetious. Yeah, I think that the reason that that was so subdued in, in this mm-hmm, hearing mm-hmm. before the court was because they, they won based on other criteria anyway... And if they start talking about due process, the American people may start realizing how often we don't receive yeah. due process. Yeah, they don't want anyone going there. Yeah, they, that's a mm-hmm. taboo subject. Mm-hmm. We face issues daily in this country where we are not given due process. We're taken right. advantage of right. because of our inability to hire a good attorney, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Right. We lose due process all the time now. Yeah. Um, then this isn't the first time that Trump's attorneys have done something like this. And he's had different attorneys, and one was a model. It just His attorney picks are interesting. They're interesting. And I've, I've seen this happen over and over again. That the attorney picks, and it's kind of like, how do they get hooked up with these people? I don't know. But... There's something wrong in the way that the attorneys are, are, are picked, I think, for, for maybe some agenda going on. Well, a lot of people would think that because of Trump's wealth, he, mm-hmm. might, un, he might know mm-hmm. good attorneys. Sure. But he knows good business attorneys. Yeah, yeah. He knows good tax attorneys. But does he know good constitutional attorneys? He doesn't attorneys? know good constitutional attorneys, yeah. exactly. And uh, and it's a it's a visible problem here yeah. because this was so easy to project out there. Oh, wait a second. No due process. You can't hurl some, you can't just say something about somebody. That's not how we do business here or not how we're supposed to. We, the peasants, get this, but yeah. it's not supposed to be that way. So... I think with this, um, I just give a little thought to that. Give a little thought to that. I think there might be kind of a, a deeper rabbit hole behind that. And I'm always looking as objectively as I can to the whole situation all the time. Like I'm really trying to take my emotion out of it, what I like, what I don't like, and just look at it objectively. And it's hard to do. It really is. It's hard to do because we are shaped by the propaganda more so than we think, even if you're the most awake person on the planet. Yep. But um, something is definitely wrong here um, because how do you miss the biggest points? It's kind of like, you know, somebody wants to do something and, you know, and, and the feds get hired to do it. And you think, well, how would this person, you know, not know or people in, involved in government um, get assigned to do something? And, and I just think that we need to look look outside the box a little bit here, um, especially with this. But I love Chris Ann Hall's comments, and I also love the fact that she said, why are they even involved anyway? It makes zero sense, right? Love it. Be right back.
Kate Daly Show, Kate Daly. Can you believe after all the recent violent protests, looting and destruction, some communities are considering either defunding or abolishing the police? If you agree that now is the time when police protection is needed most, then it's time we stand up and support your local police and the communities they serve. Call 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet. That's 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet today. This is the Kate Daly Show. Welcome back, Kate Daly Show. Hi, Uncle Milty. Hello. Um, I just want you guys to know that um, South Dakota, there's a bill. <laughs> it's for all those people that say that uh, that people are crazy if they say there's weather engineering. Uh, this was uh, January 31st, SB 215 introduced in South Dakota to prohibit weather engineering. Why would you need to prohibit <laughs> weather engineering if engineering wasn't true? You wouldn't. Let me think about that. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, the act is proposed to prohibit the intentional release of polluting emissions into the atmosphere by cloud seeding, weather modification, excessive electromagnetic radio frequency, frequency, I can't talk, and microwave radiation and providing enforcement and penalties for violations. South Dakota is the third USA state this year. Uh, after New Hampshire and Rhode Island to introduce legislation related to the governance of geoengineering. I know, but you know, it's not true, right? Yeah, okay. Um, We've known for a long time because we have treaties with other countries and so forth. So I just wanted to bring that up because I just thought that was interesting. (laughs) Nonetheless. uh, On on the bill itself, Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. description of the bill Uh is... Senate Agriculture Mm -hmm. and Natural Resources Agenda. Mm -hmm. Now, the fact that they include agriculture kind of bothers me a little bit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Agriculture means food. Mm -hmm. Cloud seeding, a type of weather modification that attempts to change the amount or type of uh, precipitation by dispersing chemicals such as uh, silver iodide, potassium iodide, and dry ice into the air. Okay, Stratospheric aerosol injection, weather modification, the act of altering or manipulating the weather. So they included that too. Just blanket. Yeah. Stratospheric mm-hmm. aerosol injection proposed method of solar radiation modification. Uh, I may be wrong, mm-hmm. but I think another name for stratospheric uh-huh. aerosol injections is chemtrails. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. But they don't exist. No, of course. You just have to spell them out in a bill yeah. to prohibit them, <laughs> but they don't exist. Okay. Yeah, and uh, any person may report a suspected, it goes on and on, drones and aircraft. Maybe we'll get the blimp again. That came up in my memories. Was that a year ago, the blimp? Remember the blimp? Oh, the Japanese? Yeah, oh, the, they Chinese, knew it was a Chinese blimp. Chinese balloon? Before, you know, they, they didn't, they weren't up there, but they just knew it was yeah. Chinese. Anyway, I just wanted to, um, I just had to let you guys know about this bill because... You know, why isn't every state doing this? Why is it just three? And you know what? 
It is very real. So people have got to stop saying it's not real. It's it's in our face. You look up. I mean, I don't know how else to... Oh, it drives me crazy. But, but let's remember, they can write bills uh-huh. like this all day long. Yeah. If they don't do anything to enforce them, they're meaningless. Right, right. Okay. Um, I You know, I want to share this with you. This was something that I found kind of interesting, if you want. It's some kind of a departure from the politics today a little bit. But I was looking at something about Steve Jobs. There was a question. There was a question that I, I kind of really wanted to answer. And the question was, why didn't Apple or Microsoft absorb each other? I mean, usually, I mean, you're that competitive. You're, you're right like this. Okay, so why, why, why do they still, you know, kind of coexist? Why is that? Why were they maybe allowed to coexist was really kind of the question I was, I was looking for. And I want to share this with you because this is really interesting. Jobs and Bill Gates were both born in 1955. Okay. Bill met Paul Allen in high school. Okay. And Bill was several years younger than, than Paul Allen, even though he looked more like he was six or seven years younger than Paul Allen. Bill was 13 and Paul was 16. Those are kind of odd ages to be buddies, don't you think? Yep. Kind of strange. Okay. It looked like uh, Bill hadn't even hit puberty and it looked like Paul Allen had hit puberty when he was two. Yeah. So there was a huge difference, huge beard going on in high school. Okay. <laughs> big, big deal. Okay. Jobs <clears throat> met uh, Steve Wozniak, Woz, when he was 14, but Woz was four years older than Jobs. Woz was 18. He was 14. Okay. And they lived in the same neighborhood. And they hung out. That's kind of weird, don't you think? I'm just well. I didn't hang around with I mean, fourteen-year-olds when I, I was eighteen. I just thought it was strange. Okay. And uh, the bio says they met after high school, but that's not true. the The first guy that they hired um, actually said, "Oh no!" In his in his bio, he said, "I introduced him," and and he was like fourteen. Okay. Every picture of Bill and Paul Allen, Paul is at the computer working and Bill is just sitting next to him. So Allen's, you know, Allen's the one at the computer. Bill is like looking on every picture of Jobs and Woz. Same exact thing. Woz is at the computer and Jobs is just sitting next to him watching him work. Hmm. It was just kind of odd. At 15, Jobs made a call to the CEO of Hewlett Packard and got him on the phone somehow. I didn't know the CEO answers calls from teen, teeny boppers. Did you know that? Yeah, they do. Apparently. News to me. And impressed him so much in this one phone call with a 15 year old that he offered him a summer internship. Wow. You must've said something spectacular to get a summer internship. And, um, I didn't know the answer incoming calls. Bill Gates formed a relationship in his teen years with the CEO of IBM. Yeah. Don't you find that really, really kind of weird? Because most CEOs like to talk to 19-year-olds, right? And uh, with no track record and agreed to do business with him. Now, he was on the board of, of uh, United and so was his mother, I believe, mother or father or both. Anyway, strange. I thought that was a little weird. They have these huge connections to the CEOs of these major companies, that could squash them like a bug. They don't have any experience or anything, but they both are doing business with them. That was weird. The bios described both Bill Gates and Steve Jobs as good at marketing, 
but neither actually had invented a computer or a system or built one or marketed anything. Isn't that odd? Yeah. I think that's weird. I think that's weird. And at such a young age, at 19, they hadn't even done anything yet. Bill went off to Harvard and Paul Allen being older. Okay. Paul Allen goes off to college, right? When Bill went off to Harvard, Paul Allen leaves his school and goes to Harvard to be close to Bill Gates. (laughs) Do you find that weird? I do. I think it's strange. (laughs) Okay. Waz went off to college. But cut it short, went back to Mountain View, California, so he could be close to Steve Jobs, who had just graduated high school, so they could be closer. That was weird. Bill Gates stayed at Harvard while Paul Allen went down to New Mexico and started Microsoft. Bill Gates goes off to Harvard. While he's at Harvard, a company is started in his name. Paul Allen, the inventor, okay, makes himself VP and makes... Harvard guy, Bill Gates, the CEO. Do you guys find that strange? Why would you make yourself the VP? Well, gosh darn it. You know what? Waz did the same thing. <laughs> he started a company with Steve Jobs as the, as the CEO, made himself the VP, while Jobs was over in, I think it was India, Indonesia, India, um, going after like some religious things and doing LSD. And he was gone for two years. He lived at a commune. Both Steve Jobs and Bill Gates were off doing something else while companies were formed in their name. Hmm. And the person, the, the persons that actually were doing the work made themselves VP, second banana. And they were older. <laughs> I just think it's kind of interesting. And I think it's kind of interesting because it kind of shows that they thought we were so stupid that no one would ever realize that they have almost the exact same story, really. Same circumstances, same playbook. You know, I I never have been an Apple kind of guy, Mm -hmm. but the history of Microsoft is really interesting. I know. Be right back. Kate Daly Show. Have you ever heard someone say, the system's broken? Sure you have. Well, it's not true. America's founders created a brilliant governing system that prevents us from having kings, queens, dictators, and even czars. We the people can replace every elected official in a span of six years if we so choose. Here at the John Birch Society, we believe the only way to liberty, prosperity, and national sovereignty is not only understand what's in our founding documents, but demand that every elected official adheres to them. The reason we have a ballooning, reckless, and corrupt government is because elected officials aren't following the Constitution. The John Birch Society is principled, coordinated, effective activism. We believe the Constitution is the solution. Join JBS and change America. Visit JBS.org or call 1-800-JBS-USA-1 to get involved. That's jbs.org. This is the Kate Daly Show. Welcome back. Kate Daly Show. KateDalyRadio.com, hitting over 25 million. So grateful for my sponsors. Grateful for ActivateFIQ.com. 
Uh, they are fantastic, and uh, I really love their supplements because of the way they do them. And there are authentic companies, and then there's not. And I really love Activate FIQ. This is one you should take. Um, so if you have a drawer full of supplements, I'm telling you, Activate FIQ products are really, really great. And put in the code word Kate. You should be taking copper every day. Just Google Kate Daly Radio and copper, the word copper, and sh- the shows will pop up in uh, Google, and you can actually listen to those shows on how important it is to get that back in our diet. And you take it with magnesium, and it will really help you. So, I mean, really help you because you've got to cleanse your body, and copper cleanses it also controls the fear mechanism in your brain. So when you get real fearful, there's a lot of fearful people. There's a reason they took it out of our food supply in the 1930s mm-hmm. and 40s. There was a reason that they stopped giving the, the licks to the animals with, with copper. They sto- yeah, they stopped mm-hmm. giving that. Um, I'm telling you, there's something truly about this that you need to pay attention to. Get copper back in your body so it can do its job and cleanse your body of all the foreign agents in there. And it will, too. If we all had the proper amount of copper, we wouldn't be so worried about all these shots and the effects, right, that they can do to us. Your body would just expel them. Um, ActivateFIQ.com. Code word is Kate. Okay, so I have to give you a few more. You want a few more? Sure. Okay. You ready? So both, um, uh, so uh, Bill Gates got a job at Honeywell right out of high school <laughs> at 18 years old, even though, he, you know, 18 year olds, have you ever seen an 18 year old that just was like, I'm going to go get a job at Honeywell or IBM or something. And, um, they get hired with zero experience. Okay. And then, uh, and then also, um, Steve jobs got a job at Atari and couldn't make anything, couldn't build anything. You know what he had to do? He had to give the projects that Atari gave him to, to was to do. And then he turned those in. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, both companies, um, let's see here, both companies started in 1975. So they were born in 55, started in 75, 20 years old. Okay. Um, no experience whatsoever. Both companies had older, more accomplished men with CIA backgrounds kind of fostering their growth. Jobs and Waz had the homebrew computer club that was at Stanford, a bunch of 40 year old men that worked in intelligence that, you know, fostering ideas, things like that, you know, <laughs> and, uh, Gates and Allen had teamed up with, uh, Microsoft. So micro, so Gates and Allen had the Altair, um, creator, the f- actual father of the home computer. The actual inventor was Ed Roberts, who had been in the military and CIA and intelligence, by the way, he quietly kind of went into farming after that, maybe to make Paul Allen be the star. Cause he could have crushed, uh, he could have crushed Paul Allen and Bill Gates like a bug. Okay. But he didn't. That was kind of strange. And um, so I, thought, I don't know, just thought that was kind of weird. And uh, some of the people that worked with uh, Steve Jobs just sort of quietly went into like teaching and just kind of left. It was just strange. Um, and of course, uh, was Apple named not for the fruit, but rather the Garden of Eden? The intelligence acquired through eating the apple. Hmm. Was Windows named for um, getting a window into everyone's life, everyone's home? I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> and then also, um, both B- Jobs and Gates were continuously praised for ability and talent at marketing. They were 20 years old, had absolutely zero experience. Waz's father was Lockheed Martin, CIA contractor. <laughs> Steve Jobs' biological father was in intelligence. His adopted dad, 
said he was poor, but he wasn't. He lived in a whole community in Mountain View around engineers and uh, intelligence, um, all kinds of people that worked in intelligence. That's the neighborhood they lived in. Bill Gates' father was a known deep state with ties to Planned Parenthood, United Way, Rockefeller, and Soros, and his mother was a big, huge banking exec. And uh, Paul Allen and Waz actually... Um, they actually helped with the inventions and stepped away to allow Gates and Jobs to lead the companies. Isn't that strange? Paul Allen walks away as second banana, and uh, same with Waz. Both walk away. Hmm. So that Steve Jobs and Bill Gates could be the stars? Interesting. Okay. Both companies have major backdoors installed into their products and give the government unfettered access to them. Why? Because both companies were started and funded by our government, with Jobs and Gates pushing the narrative that they are private companies run by guys who started their companies under humble beginnings. That's what we're told. Humble beginnings. Very, very humble, right? And in a garage. But I don't think that's true, actually. I don't. Just wanted to share... (laughs) some about with you hmm. i thought it was so strange and and the reason i bring it up is not just strange it's coordinated manipulated because no two stories like that could be that alike and and have that many similarities right we're not stupid but we were we we just sort of always assume that the story we're told is true and do we really look for the inconsistencies and the weirdness of these stories How much more is manipulated? And then I think that answers the question as to why Apple didn't absorb Microsoft or Microsoft absorb Apple. They could have at different times. But were they allowed to create the competition so you thought there was a big competition so both were controlled by the government? Apple and Microsoft Mm -hmm. had two opposing viewpoints on how to market computers. Mm Mm-hmm. Microsoft went with open architecture, Mm -hmm. and Apple kept theirs private, Mm -hmm. secret. Mm -hmm. Of course, there were differences. Yeah. And I think that the goal there between these two companies Mm -hmm. was to see which would proliferate the best Mm. and go to more people and Mm -hmm. become the control mechanism. Right. You're right. And Microsoft won. Yeah. One more, uh, you're right, one more um, little weirdness is that here's a 20-year-old that owns a company, no track record, nothing in computers, nothing, both of them, okay? They both got teams full of (laughs) ex-NASA, 40, 50-year-olds, okay, Um, ex, uh, well, intelligence, military, all working for them right away. Huge teams and their growth through the first year, so this was 1975, In 1976, both were just like 300 employees and we got all this going on. It was kind of amazing because if you're a a 40-year-old ex-NASA, are you going to go work for a 20-year-old? And both funded. Although no one really can say how. (laughs) I guess we've answered my question. Yeah. Why didn't either one act like real competition and squash them like a bug? There were differences, yes. But why didn't one lead out? Why, why the constant movies and everything else about, about this? And though that homebrew club, the club later on was talked about in a book about Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Wonderland tied to the CIA a lot. Um, 
It was written in a book about the fact that, yes, it was a club for intelligence to bat around ideas about how to make these computers work and capture data. And I'll just leave it right there. Mm. We'll be right back. And uh, the interview with Dr. Peter McCall will be right back on the Kate Daly Show, katedalyradio.com. This will be on a podcast if you want to re-listen to this uh, later on today. katedalyradio.com. Self-reliance. It's not a phrase we hear much in our culture these days. It might conjure up images of pioneers, the West, rifles, strapping men, and strong women. But what does it mean for us in today's world? The New American Magazine has just released its latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. In it, the New American authors outline the necessity of self-reliance for a free people, tips for self-reliant living, and the importance of not giving up hope. This unique edition includes articles on the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearms, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics by expert writers. Now, for a limited time, The New American is offering a bundle of three collector's editions, Self-Reliance, The Great Reset, and Trump World, for just $19.95. A great stocking stuffer, available at shopjbs.org. Visit shopjbs.org today. Rise and shine, fragile Americans. There's a victimhood to be claimed and microscopic germs to fear. The Kate Daly Show starts now. Rulers of the the world, authority and power will shift away from humans to computers. And most humans will become economically useless and politically powerless. Already today, we are beginning to see the creation of a new class of humans, the useless class. Just as the Industrial Revolution in the 19th century created the new working class, the proletariat, so now the artificial intelligence revolution is beginning to create the useless class. I can't tell if he's for or against the useless class. So he's saying authority and power will shift away from humans to computers, and that's crazy. Alexa, turn this off. (laughs) (laughs) That was Jerry Dore. Oh, good old Yuval, Yuval Haran. So I am the very useless Kate Daly and my useless co-star, useless eater, Uncle Milty. How are you, useless eater? I'm useless. (laughs) Isn't it amazing, some people's views on humanity? I find it interesting. Anyway, you know what? He can say that all he wants. It doesn't mean anything unless we give that power so to him, right? Yeah. Well, I guess he's Klaus, Klaus Schwab's yeah. right hand. But anyway, all I'm saying is, is they only win if we let them. We have more power as the people. Do you, I learned something today. Okay. Very interesting. Right. People do not know what lie means yeah they don't know right i've had several people call Mm -hmm. me a liar 
For having an opinion? For having an opinion they don't agree with. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. they yeah. Don't, People know. don't know what lie actually mm-hmm. means. I know. It's amazing. Know. There's all kinds of things we could talk about right yeah. now. We need computers. Um, <laughs> so... I had um, I had the chance to uh, interview Dr. Peter McCullough again, and um, it was an interesting interview. It was a good interview, and he answered your questions. I had you guys write in. I had you guys on Facebook telling me what you want me to ask him. We might have asked your questions, so listen up. This is Dr. Peter McCullough. He was the first one, really. Um, besides some of the frontline doctors, he was the first one to be at where he was in the medical field as a very, very well-known uh, cardiologist to come out and speak to the Senate and speak to Congress and, and, and say, well, I'm sorry, why isn't anyone worried about health? So here's Dr. Peter McCullough, and we'll stop it and talk about the things that are being said, too. Here we go. Dr. McCullough is an internist, cardiologist, epidemiologist, holding degrees from Baylor University, University of Texas Southwestern Medical School, University of Michigan, and Southern Methodist University. He published his first detoxification approach entitled Clinical Rationale for SARS-CoV-2, Base Spike Protein Detoxification in Post-COVID-19 and Vaccine Injury Syndromes in the Journal of American Physicians and Surgeons. He has dozens of peer-reviewed publications on the infection and has commented extensively on the medical response to the COVID-19 crisis on The Hill, American Out Loud, Fox News Channel, you name it, he's been everywhere. And he was one of the first to speak out, and I really appreciated that. Uh, Dr. McCullough testified several times in U.S. Senate, European Parliament, Texas Senate Committee on Health and Human Services, Arizona Senate, House of House of Representatives, and many others. We don't even have time to mention his resume. Um, Dr. Peter McCullough, so glad to have you on. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'm I'm really glad to have you. We have a lot of questions from our audience for you, too, and I can't wait to hear your responses to some of these things. One woman wrote in to me. She said, "Um, my husband was diagnosed recently with amyloid disease, which has caused his art walls to thicken, and it inhibits its ability to pump. He started having heart issues about five months after he had the shot, starting with arrhythmia and blood clots, and the cardiologist was unable to determine a cause um, until he finally landed up north in a different hospital. He was finally diagnosed with amyloid disease with no prior heart disease, no high blood pressure, no high cholesterol, no blockages, zero. Clean bill of health. Until he got that shot five months later, he has this. Are you seeing a lot of amyloid disease? Amyloid is a, a abnormal folding of a protein. The SARS-CoV-2 spike protein produced by the vaccines clearly folds and forms amyloid-like protein structures in some people. And it is responsible for the rubbery amyloid blood clots that we see, the very large ones mm-hmm. removed at the time of uh, autopsy or postmortem examination. There's one paper by the FDA, uh, Wu is uh, first author, W-O-O, with, with the Janssen vaccine, describing these blood clots in people reported to them, uh, thousands of blood clots with J&J, and they're reporting blood clots extending from the ankle to the hip, huge ones. Normally, a blood clot we see in medicine is only about a centimeter, no more than an inch size. We've never seen blood clots this, and this is the FDA reporting this to us, uh, 11% were fatal. Now, cardiac amyloidosis is when the protein actually sufficiently deposits in the heart. The heart becomes hard, rubbery. It doesn't fill normally, and patients develop heart failure. So this constellation of blood clots, arrhythmias, and and cardiac amyloidosis, yes, it sounds like the vaccines in aggregate. But let me tell you this. Before COVID, 
okay? Mm -hmm. There's always been cardiac amyloidosis, so I want people to, to learn about this. There is an early form of it that's hereditary. It always starts with a neuropathy, so numbness and tingling in the hands and feet first, and then the cardiac amyloid sets in. It affects other organs in the body, mm -hmm. like the liver, the tongue, um, the other, uh, the intestinal organs, uh, and that is a, a familial type of amyloidosis. It can be detected by um, genetic testing, mm -hmm. genetic testing. Okay. Uh, there is a senile form of cardiac amyloidosis that forms in very old people, and that tends to primarily involve the heart first as opposed to the nerves. Uh, and we can also test that by biopsy. Hmm. The most common, there's about 32 proteins in the body that fold and make amyloid proteins. The most common one is called transthyretin, also known as prealbumin. So when people get uh, a diagnosis of amyloid, always ask for a biopsy and, have them, and find out what protein is it. In the case of SARS-CoV-2, you actually want to stain for the spike protein, but in this case, I'd get a biopsy. They can biopsy the heart. Many times, just biopsy the tongue, believe mm, it or not. Interesting. It's very, uh, you know, innocuous biopsy. Stain for the spike protein, stain for, uh, you know, all the other proteins. There's typically an amyloid stain that's done, and, it, and you can basically make a diagnosis. Uh, we now do simple genetic testing for the, um, the mutations that uh, that are associated with the familial amyloid. It's important because if this is related to the vaccine, is it's really water under the bridge, we'll treat it. If it's related to a familial cause, then other family members would want to know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there needs to be more diagnostic work. Have you seen an increase since the shots were um, doled out? We certainly have. Certainly the amyloidogenic uh, blood clots um, and uh, there is some hope, by the way. People always ask about therapy, and you mentioned detoxification. We're currently using natokinase, bromelain, and curcumin in combination as a base, and we start at low doses, and we can accelerate. Uh, you can find this on my website, petermcculloughmd.com, two peer-reviewed papers. But there's a, a third paper that I published with Stephanie Senoff as first author, and we bring in another product that probably works, but we don't have the clinical data for it yet. It's called Sereptase or Serapeptase. It's another form of an oral enzyme. The unique thing is that actually may uh, penetrate into the brain where natokinase doesn't. And we're worried about amyloid plaques in the brain in mm. progression of neurodegenerative diseases like uh, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Wow. You were very interesting about that, right? Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. And I will put up a clip just with the three things he mentioned and then the fourth one that doesn't have the evidence yet, but he thinks it's going to help. And that's for people who have loved ones. If you didn't take the shots, I'm so glad. But that, that goes for the people that um, I know everyone has a loved one that, that took it and they're worried about them. Here we go. Fierce blowback in the very beginning. Um, how has it changed for you over the course of this last two years? I have. I've actually had a colleague today, have you, really? you know, after like four years, didn't hear anything. And it was a congratulations on a recent paper published. First author is Mead. I'm the senior author. But it is a fully peer-reviewed, very extensive paper that concludes the vaccine should be pulled off the market. And he was just texting me before I came on. How are you? Like, well. you know, hasn't heard from me in four years. Well, mm. you know, I, I think people will come along. But the example I'm using, I have a Substack out in this. People say, well, how can doctors be so wrong in these vaccines for so long? Because it's been mm -hmm. three years. I said, wait a minute. Let's pick some other examples. Smoking. 
from the the first note of any doctor, a solid doctor noting smoking causing problems, like an obvious problem like lung cancer, was in 1912. European physician Sir Austin Bradford Hill in 1950, you know, published an entire treatise on this, you know, conclusively concluding that smoking caused lung cancer. Now, let me tell you, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, doctors, nurses were not only smoking, they were advertising smoking. They mm. were promoting smoking. Right. Doctors and nurses, not just the doctors, doctors and nurses. This went all the way up until the tobacco settlement in 1999. And over time, finally the messaging came through, but it was commonplace to smoke in the hospital, smoke in the operating room, and the Emperor of All Maladies, which is written by Mukherjee, who's a Dana-Farber Cancer Institute fellow, you know, won a Pulitzer Prize, great book. He describes the lead cancer, lung cancer surgeon for, for Harvard removing lung cancers and smoking at the same time, oh my telling the students and the residents that no, smoking was not the cause of lung cancer. He himself died of lung cancer because he smoked. Uh, unbelievable. So, so listen, doctors are taking the vaccine. They are getting blood clots. They are getting myocarditis. I know because I'm seeing them in my office, but they are still in this phase, just like with smoking. Let's hope it doesn't take 40 <laughs> years. It's been three years of a disaster. Oh, I so agree with that. Um, but at the same time, you see an experimental vaccine come out and you're telling people to get it. That's a problem when, I mean, it wasn't even a vaccine. It was a shot. What, what, were your what he just said, I liked what he said. Mm -hmm. is, is really quite amazing because mm -hmm. the reality is that we live in an infinite universe mm -hmm. and people ask, why can't we solve all our problems in 80 years? <laughs> right. It's right. such no, a tiny speck of time in, right. in the big picture. Right that we may never learn to, mm -hmm. to get past these types of issues. I think the one thing now, and we'll go to a break, I'll play, I'll keep playing more, but the, 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 and he talks about so many topics. I'll end up putting the whole interview on um, sound because we won't have time for it at the Kate Daly show. So katedalyradio.com. And I had to pre-record it because of time trying to get together with him. He's, he's got a, such a busy schedule and he's speaking a lot right now. Um, that's why it's pre-recorded. But, but, uh, but I think the doctors, the doctors oblivion to the one thing that changed and now they have blood clots, but they can't figure out why. I mean, like he said, they're kind of in this weird, <laughs> non-acknowledging, can't acknowledge that, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I agree with him. Be right back more about with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough. Be right back on the case. If Americans want to remain a free and sovereign nation, more people need to understand the principles and values that built America. At the John Birch Society, we have the organization, the plan, and the resources to do just that. Our founder, Robert Welch, said, education is our total strategy and truth our only weapon. Go to jbs.org to learn more, including how you can get involved to work locally and impact nationally. Join us at jbs.org. is the Kate Daly Show. Welcome back, Kate Daly Show. 
interview with Dr. Peter McCullough, and boy, did he answer. I had a lot of questions for him and uh, everything from what's coming to you name it. I mean, everything about the shots, the different batches. I mean, if this is this is a great time to finally get some answers after three years of what he thinks is going on. And, you know, everybody has differing views. I might have differing views, but let me tell you, um, he was great. He was great. And also... Go to um, Birch Gold, 989898, and text my name, Kate, and get some help financially. They'll just give you some free information. And if you end up working with them, it's free to do what they're telling you to do, and that is get, get your IRA and your retirement backed with gold. It's free for you to do that. And I don't know if people realize that. And then also, I just wanted to mention, that's who I trust for gold and silver. Okay? That's who I would buy from. Um, they also support the Gary Sinise Foundation for Veterans. They do, they do a lot of good work. Uh, they're, they're great. So here is um, more from my interview with Dr. Peter McCullough, and I might play some of this tomorrow in the last hour as well. Uh, so here we go. Here is uh, Dr. Peter McCullough. 25% of Americans refused the COVID jab. Is that now kind of an official number, about 25% then refused? Yeah, that was the COVID Community States program, which was a survey uh, where, where you know, it had the features. Like it was anonymous. Mm-hmm. People weren't going to be harmed if they said yes or no. It was done by Harvard and Northeastern University. We think it's pretty solid. But I checked the CDC website the other day. You know what they're saying? They're yeah. saying 95% of people took a vaccine. 95. And, no and the COVID States program criticizes the CDC mm-hmm. And says, you know what? The CDC was double counting. If people lost their vaccine card, they just started them as a new patient. They double counted them. So the CDC has a lot of sloppy statistics. Mm. And, um, you know, when I, when I talk to people, and I've, I've given over 200 public programs to people in the office, to me, it resonates that about, about 25% didn't take it and 75% did. I'd be curious to see what your listeners yeah, yeah, think. Sure. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> The 25% who didn't take the vaccine, they seem far more concerned about vaccine side effects than the 75% who did take the vaccine. Isn't it interesting? That is. That's fascinating. Yeah. Oh, it just shows that we are uh, sheep. I I don't know what else to say. We just kind of, yeah, you're right, though. I I talk about vaccine side effects all the time. Of course, I'm a doctor and I'm Mm -hmm. seeing these patients in the office. But I don't have any worries about having <laughs> vaccine side effects because I didn't take it. Right. I mean, I sleep right. okay at night. You, you'd think the vaccinated would be the ones up at night saying, listen, what did I do? Is this a problem? Mm-hmm. A- and uh, you hear a lot more concern about vaccine safety from the unvaccinated compared to the vaccinated. That's amazing. I didn't even think about it that way. You're right. Uh, as far as the shots go, a lot of people have a question about this particular thing. They got the first shot. They maybe got the Johnson & Johnson or they got one shot but they didn't do the boosters. Is there any evidence so far that doing the one shot was not as bad as doing all the boosters? Was the danger in the booster shots? What, what's your take on this? There are no cumulative toxicity studies, meaning, you know, once the first, it was called primary series, shot one and shot two were studied. There never were any studies to say, well, is shot three and four and five, do they add up? Do they create more toxicity? For most drugs, and most shots, the more you take, if there's a safety problem, the greater the harm. It's never been done. Um, my suspicion is there is a cumulative toxicity. In the published literature, the the general vein of what we're seeing is what's called the Russian roulette theory, that you do one, you do fine with shot one, shot two, shot three, and all of a sudden shot four, boom, get myopericarditis or mm. have a fatal event at shot three or four. 
Um, and that may have to do with the fact that it doesn't look like all the shots are the same. The vials differ. The safety of each vial differ depending on the lot. So if one got, you know, an easy lot, an easy lot, nothing, nothing, also got a dangerous lot, that's how this Russian roulette theory plays out. But there's enough cases where the fatal event occurs on shot five or six to make us conclude that there is no safe patient profile. I mean, one of my patients told me, Dr. McCullough, uh, you know, if they come out with another booster, I'm going to take it. I said, gosh, you know, are you sure that's, you know, I was kind of worried about mm -hmm. it. She goes, well, no, he goes, she goes, I know other people have side effects, but no, they don't bother me. Wow. Uh, be careful <laughs> on that one, because it may be that she got, you know, relatively safe vials on the mm -hmm. first four and all of a sudden, you know, we'll get right. a lethal one. And when you're getting the shot, you never know if, you, if you're getting a dangerous batch or not. Mm -hmm. That's the, right. that's the concern over it. Um, but right now, if someone was following uh, let's say a doctor or nurse, was following the government um, uh, protocol. We're coming up on shot number eight for that eight? person. I didn't shot even realize eight, that. Okay, in the United States. and Wow, we'll come right back on that. But sh eight shots, did you realize that? No. I didn't either. I had no idea. I thought maybe three or four. I didn't realize it was eight. Wow. Okay, we'll be right back. More with Dr. Peter McCullough when we come back. The famous uh, cardiologist, heart surgeon, be right back. Hey, America. How tired are you of mainstream corporate media's biased narratives and manipulated news? Their dishonesty and attempts to influence this generation have been exposed, put on display for anyone who's even half paying attention. But the New American Magazine has been an honest source of news and commentary for over 50 years. This is your opportunity to receive the stalwart of principled journalism at a deep discount. Picture a beautifully published magazine arriving at your doorstep twice a month, packed with insightful stories written with integrity. It's also available digitally on the New American's mobile app. Get up to speed with intelligent coverage from a freedom perspective. Right now, for a limited time, the New American is available to radio listeners at a 25% discount on a new subscription. Visit thenewamerican.com slash radio25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com slash radio25. This is the Kate Daly Show. Welcome back, Kate Daly Show. I got Uncle Milty here. We're, we're um, playing the interview. We had to pre-record interview with Dr. Peter McCullough on the uh, well-renowned heart uh, heart surgeon, cardiologist, and uh, his take on the events that have happened over the last three years. We kind of interviewed him. We interviewed him in 2021 and then 2022, or 23, 2023, 2022, 2023. So this is our third interview, I think, with him, right? Um, and make sure that you get over to MyPillow.com. I love MyPillow, and uh, they do a fantastic job in products. So add my name, Kate, in the, in the code, and it helps us stay on the air. I love that. All right, let me play more with Peter McCullough. And also, I'll probably play more tomorrow, cool. on tomorrow on the Friday show, after Brandon Smith, our guest Brandon Smith, is coming on. We're talking a little bit more about prepping. Um, all right, so here is uh, Dr. Peter McCullough. And uh, if one is immunocompromised, let's say they're on, um, let's say they've had a transplant, they could be coming up on shot 12. 
Oh my gosh, I didn't realize there There's was never, that many. We, you know, we've never given any vaccine for 12 shots. We've never given a genetic injection, a genetic therapy injection for anything. How would we possibly know? The concern is accumulation of genetic material that the body doesn't clear out and then continued production of the spike protein, this toxic lethal portion of the spike protein that looks like it accumulates in the body. And a paper by Brogna and colleagues shows that about half of people who took a Pfizer or Moderna have circulating spike protein in their bloodstream for six months. And then you take another shot, there's Mm going to be more circulating spike protein. And the spike protein circulating in human blood cannot be healthy. Are the same ingredients in each shot, are they getting the same shot over and over again in the boosters? We don't think so. The shots have never been expected for the quantity of messenger RNA. Now, I saw inspections of the messenger RNA vaccines by the FDA in 2022. And you know what they inspected them for in the report, in the official kind of FOIA release documents? They inspected them for visible impurities. Basically, crud in the vials. That's what they were inspected for. They didn't open the vials and test how much messenger RNA is in there. They didn't open the vials to see if uh, the lipid nanoparticles were aggregating or not. And they certainly didn't test for process-related DNA impurities. And this has been the big news. Four labs have found that there are small DNA fragments contaminating the vials. And some of these DNA fragments are known cancer promoters called SV40. So this is such a big deal. There are two peer-reviewed preprint manuscripts uh, there that are awaiting peer review, one by Spiegler, the other one by McKernan, so you can review the data yourself. Uh, Dr. Joe Ladapo synthesized all the information. He wrote the CDC and FDA and said, looks like there are impurities in Pfizer and Moderna. And the FDA and CDC wrote him back and said, nope, we're not worried about this. And that's when Surgeon General Joe Ladapo said, enough's enough. I'm calling for these to be pulled off the market. And here you have a cancer-causing agent. So we're going to come right back there. But so two things. Not only are they not screening for that, and they're just looking for particles. In the last clip that we heard, they weren't doing any research, right, as far as that goes on, um, on uh, on the accumulation of the shots. Not one, not one entity wanted to know if, hey, this might be too many. It's so amazing how selective they are on what they want to show the people. And people still trust the CDC and the FDA. Well, you, you have to start with the purpose. Yeah. The purpose was not to save you from mm-hmm. a disease. Right. The purpose was not to mm-hmm. find out what would happen if mm-hmm. you took it. The purpose was simply to see if they could make you take it. There was no yeah. other purpose. I think the per- no, I do. I think there was a second purpose, and the purpose was to make you very ill because he's about to answer that cancer question. So ill plus obedience yes. to the government, right? Okay, here's Dr. Peter McCullough. We pull off the market. And here you have a cancer-causing agent. Yes? Potentially, potentially. Now, it's simian virus 40. The simian virus 40, so people know, is used uh, to ramp up the duplication of the plasmid, the DNA, little circles of DNA that are inserted within E. coli. And as E. coli divide, the SV40 keeps ramping up production. The, the, the little circle of DNA 
produces the Pfizer-Moderna messenger RNA. This is called process two. Before they were making naked RNA, which is very expensive and slow, this ramping up and having E. coli crank it out is very efficient. Now, with SV40, simian virus 40, there's a promoter, an enhancer, and what's called an origin of insertion. If there are known cancer genes in someone... I was just going to ask and, you this, yes? Right, so someone's mm-hmm. carrying a cancer gene, and then they get a sufficient load of SV40, promoter, enhancer, and then the insertion part, theoretically, it's possible for these to directly cause cancer. Wow. Now, if there is cancerous cells in the body, let's say somebody's in remission, Mm -hmm. but there's a few uh, cancer cells in the body, it's theoretical that these could take up these DNA fragments and then reactivate the cancer or really make it recur. And that's the reason why the term turbo cancer has come up. Yes. A lot turbo of cancer. even younger. And so the, right. Yeah. The very first case of a turbo cancer was published. The first uh, author is Kara Goklas. I'm the senior author in the peer-reviewed literature. And it's a man from Greece who probably had a parotid basaloid cell cancer that was lurking. And uh, sure enough, he takes a messenger RNA vaccine. Within four days, he starts to get pain. And then this cancer starts to take off. It invades his facial nerve and his trigeminal nerves, causes a Bell's palsy, rapidly invades his brain and kills him. And this is well chronicled that it may be the very first case of turbo cancer. Now, did it cause the very first cancer cell? No, that's too fast. To Five days. Cell. It was probably there. Mm-hmm. And then it took off. Uh, but, right. but this, you know, do you know cancer programs, let's say big centers like MD Anderson Cancer Research Center, encourage cancer patients to take these shots with no information on what genetic vaccines would do to underlying cancer. I mean, it was completely irresponsible. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And they do the same thing with uh, heart patients that have problems and stints and everything else and tell them to go and get these shots. Uh, We had a scientist on, and I can't remember who it was now that said this, but there were about 35 different recipes to the shots. Do you concur with that? You know, I'm not familiar with, quote, recipes, Mm -hmm. um, but there may be, uh, you know, more variations, Mm -hmm. at least in terms of safety risk. Now, I saw one schema where the lots were ordered from one, 1 to 168. So number one being the most lethal ones they found to 168 being the most benign. There's one publication by um, Schmeling and colleagues found 30% were completely benign. Just, just nothing happens to them, not even a sore arm, nothing does happen. Uh, about another um, two-thirds, uh, it's uh, some mild symptoms. And then the Schmeling data is 4.1% of all the doses or certain vials. And they actually listed the lot numbers in the paper mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that's where all the serious adverse events were and, and probably including the risk of death. And in the CDC vSafe data, it's interesting, it was 7.7% of people who took a shot, got so sick, they had to go to the ER, hospital, or urgent care. So it's under 10% that we're really worried about. The problem is two-thirds of the world took these Right. And even if it's 4% or 10%, that's a large number of people. That's a huge number of people. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It sounds like they did enough research to mm-hmm. know which of these versions would mm-hmm. be the most deadly. Yeah. Maybe the next time we're forced to take a vaccine, mm-hmm. it'll be a 80% killer. Oh gosh. 
And what's fascinating is you have all these reports of these different recipes of these different things going on, and yet they're going to check the vials for yeah. contamination of particles, but not DNA and not um, all of the things that are obviously helping with turbo cancer. Uh, you've see, probably seen that some people I have in my own life all of a sudden get cancer right after the shots. I, I, they were perfectly fine. I've had this happen. I've had this happen. And um, I've seen it. And it is so sad. And they didn't see it coming. Or they, ha- they, got, they came out of remission and back into cancer. And mm. it was a turbo. It was on steroids. Be right back. More with Dr. Peter McCullough interview. Be right back. The John Birch Society has been working tirelessly since 1958 to preserve freedom, safeguard the Constitution, and restore our God-given rights. We continually educate voters and lead the freedom movement. Join us as we work against a tyrannical one-world government. United as one, we can defeat this conspiracy against a free America. JBS founder Robert Welch said, education is our total strategy and truth our only weapon. Go to JBS.org and join us in restoring this great nation. This is the Kate Daly Show. Welcome back to Kate Daly Show. Interview with Dr. Peter McCullough. Looks like I'll do part two tomorrow. Um, it was a uh, long interview because I had so many questions from all of you for him, and I tried to get through a lot of them. So a lot of you had duplicates, too. Debbie Burks was also on TV lately um, saying that, gee, we just don't know the fallout, kind of like AIDS. We don't know the fallout for the next 10 years of what those, mm-hmm. what, what the vaccines will do. Sorry, Debbie, Debbie Burks with the scarves. Yeah, Fauci's little right hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just don't know what it'll do to you for 10 long years. So for the next 10 years, you'll be finding out. Isn't, doesn't, that, doesn't that just give you a lot of comfort? Here's Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, the, the heart doctor. Here we go. It's a huge number of people. 100%, yes. Um, what's the most damning piece of evidence? Is there one damning piece of evidence um, where you could just say, you just read this because I don't even have to talk to you about this anymore. Look at this piece of evidence. I'd say the best summary piece of evidence is the World Council for Health Pharmacovigilance Report. And it was published in 2022. Mm-hmm. It's very comprehensive. It has every safety database in the world listed. And they're all reporting record numbers of injuries, disabilities, and deaths. It's so comprehensive and it's so conclusive. It's not just the U.S. system or -hmm. or the British system. It's the totality of the data. And the document concludes the vaccines must be pulled from the market. Now, if somebody wants a document to take to their school district or take to their legislatures or what have you, that is a very solid one. The American parallel to that has been published by the um, uh, Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. And it was in March of 2023, again, summarizing the data. It makes 10 points, 10 reasons why the vaccines are unsafe and they should be pulled off the market. Now we have, uh, if you want to follow a Twitter account, Mm -hmm. follow Mary Talley Bowden, who's summarizing every day the number of candidates, the number of lawmakers in office, 
and uh, uh, and those calling for removal of the vaccines from the market. That number will only grow over time. But it's not speculation. It's not just my opinion or your opinion. Mm -hmm. These are worldwide and local bodies, you know, medical societies that are saying the vaccines are not safe. Pull them off the market. Thank you for that. I know you're you're speaking around the world. Are you seeing differences in other countries? I know our propaganda load here is so heavy that it's hard to see, even notice what's going on in other countries sometimes because our our controlled media tells us um, and doesn't tell us what's going on. Um, you're seeing are you seeing stark differences? Countries that are really leading out on this, on the truth. It's actually worse in other countries. Canada is way worse. Mm-hmm. You know, I did a Twitter poll. And I asked people, I, I said, gosh, you know, who's, who's had seven shots? I mean, nobody, I don't have any patients have taken a seven. 9% of people said, yeah, we've taken. I said, well, who, who are these people? Right. They're Canadian healthcare workers. They still are going and going and going. You know, the shots are so dangerous that it's thought to be unethical to mandate someone to take a shot because they're so dangerous. Like you could be mandated to take a shot and die. You know, in Texas, the mandates are completely banned. So you're completely banned. So so this is very important. So let's say Methodist Hospital says you have to take a shot. The ban says, no, you can't make somebody take a shot because the vaccines are so dangerous, you could kill your employees. So, Amazing. But it's worse in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's worse in Australia. It's worse in New Zealand. You know, it's, 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 it's different. Other countries have just kind of moved on. I went to India last mm-hmm. year, and they said, you know what? It, it, you know, a lot of the doctors said, honestly, they used you know, and the people, they used fake vaccine cards. They just kind of slid through. They mm-hmm. they kind of got through unvaccinated. They just moved on. They, India is such a crazy, chaotic place. I couldn't imagine them trying to keep track of anything, let alone force the vaccine on people. But right. some countries have very strict electronic databases. Mm-hmm. They would just not let somebody come to work. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, listen, if these vaccines were safe and effective and good for you, they wouldn't be banned by Texas. They <laughs> yeah. wouldn't have been lawsuits all over the place. The reason why there's lawsuits all over the place is because they're not safe and they're not effective and people have been harmed. Absolutely. I was pretty baffled by the fact that they had already started um, work on these shots uh, even before, even before they had named COVID. They kept calling it was a mystery. It was a mystery. It was a mystery. Knew nothing about it. Right. So they had to lock us all down. But that at that first go round at this shot, they nailed it. Now, as a doctor, have you ever seen that before? Where you did is that when you grew skeptical of the fact that now, how are you guys nailing the shot as the the shot first go around before they'd even figured out what whatever it was we were dealing with? I still think it's the flu, but but what, what did when did you get skeptical? The reason I said that was because I thought it was funny that doctors weren't asking that exact question. Like, wait a second, you started working on this before, now you're naming it, and you're telling us that this shot is brand new on the market and this is going to save us all? Now, you know I don't believe in these shots and I don't want these shots, but I, but I, as a doctor, you know, as doctors out there, not Dr. Peter McCullough, but doctors out there, why were they not baffled by that and why did they not ask more questions about that, you know? I, I, to me, I don't, I don't see the problem there. I, I think for the last two decades, doctors have been trained yeah, right. to just follow orders <laughs> yep they have follow orders yep. yeah that's true that is the truth here's what he had to say what, what did when did you get skeptical when did you start going now wait a second here <laughs> well I, you know, august of 2020 mm. i published an op-ed in the hill you're talking to the only public figure in the world who put in writing in a prominently read 
journal. This is for the House, the Senate, yeah, and the White House. This is Peter. Mm-hmm. The title of my op-ed in August of 2020, is before the vaccines came out, it was called The Great Gamble of the COVID-19 Vaccine Program. Yes. And I laid it out. This was, a, you know, the, you know, to ins- to inject a, a genetic code for the first time. We've never used genetic injections. Everybody who took a Pfizer, Moderna, or Janssen and AstraZeneca took for their first time in their lives a genetic injection. It's never been done before. We had no idea what was going to happen. And then on top of that, the genetic code co- codes for a lethal protein that was engineered in a Chinese biosecurity lab. How long was the genetic code going to crank out the lethal protein? How much of the lethal protein? For how long? None of these questions were answered. And it turned out to be a disaster. We should never bring any product on the market when it has, it's such a dangerous proposition for people. Yes. COVID has uh, 98 symptoms. Is that the most symptoms you've ever seen attached to something before in your life? The, the illness itself? Yeah. Yeah. 98 yeah, symptoms. Well, well, you know, others, I mean, there's obviously Ebola and mm-hmm. dengue fever, what have you. To me, the most impressive thing about COVID, the illness, mm-hmm. was the blood clots. Mm, okay, I'm going to stop it there because we're going to run out of time today and I'll play part two tomorrow. And um, I will upload the whole interview. You can listen to it. But um, I was, I've was i always been baffled at 98 symptoms. Ebola doesn't even have 98 symptoms. No. But um and so there's lots of views on on this, and I'm sure you've got your own out there too. But I was so grateful that he was answering these questions because it was refreshing to hear from him after this period of time because we did interview him right in 2021. So it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you it know, was good. Most deadly illnesses mm-hmm. have immediate mm-hmm. effects, mm-hmm. not 98. Yeah. Symptoms. Right, and cold symptoms mostly. Right. And hey, let's wait this out 10 years and turbo cancers that show up six months later and a year later and two years later. Anyway, yeah. Be faithful, be fearless. We shall see you back here tomorrow on the Friday show, Brandon Smith. And of course, part two of this interview, you won't want to miss more questions for him. Bye, you guys. PeteDallyRadio.com.